0: you're listening to decidedly dry i'm your host jess steitzer this is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good amazing right we spark inspiration we try to provide some hope and we help motivate you i promise to always keep it real provide some dry humor and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to DecidedlyDry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is one of my friends, Ms. Jessica Landon. And for those of you that don't know Jessica, here's her little intro. Jessica is a writer. She's an actor. She is a certified resilience recovery coach, a public speaker, and a mom. As a comedic actress, Jessica appeared on shows like Comedy Central's Mad TV, Jamie Foxx's sketch comedy show, Nickelodeon's Drake and Josh, and the list goes on. A few years into her acting career, she unfortunately spiraled into a non-functioning alcoholic, destroying all of her relationships and her career. Luckily, though, she completely turned her life around. She was able to overcome her addiction and since then has embraced a life of forgiveness, gratitude, love, and sobriety. I adore this woman. Her story is fascinating, and I was so excited that she agreed to come on the show to share it with us. Here's Jessica. Hello, everybody. It's Jess here with Decidedly Dry, and I have a fabulous, wonderful mom friend here today. I have Jessica Landon. Hi, Jess.
1: Hi. I'm so excited that we finally get a chat. This has been a long time coming long time coming I know and I've missed you so I'm so happy to be here
0: same same well thank you in advance this is such an honor and um I selfishly love this because we can just like have coffee and be kid free for a few minutes right it's a mom date
1: it's a mom (laughs) it's a much needed mom date it really is like we're out at Starbucks you know chatting. I love it I know
0: it's fancy um Well, we're just going to jump right in and you kind of know how these chats go. We're going to start with your story. So um, for listeners that for some reason don't know who you are, how dare them. um, Tell us about yourself, who you are, if you have kids, where you live, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So I grew up in uh, outside of Los Angeles, Rancho Cucamonga, and I've been in LA for, God, it's going to make me sound old, but like 20 years now, Um, I moved out here when I was 19 and um, did the whole, you know, acting thing. And I got, you know, lots of roles. I was very much entrenched in the entertainment industry. And that's really when I started to spiral. I started drinking before gigs. I mean, (laughs) I was on Nickelodeon's Drake and Josh drunk, but I was able to perform fine. But um, so that's just an example of how bad it got. And I definitely burned some bridges. Um, while acting and it just continued to progress until I I couldn't really show up anymore. And um, I was in a comedy troupe that, I mean, I would drink a bottle of vodka that day before going on stage and somehow uncannily was able to perform all my lines and and do the thing. And I, I loved what I was doing, but I was also I was also miserable inside. It was like I wanted to be in the entertainment industry, but I was I was deflecting all of this pain, this internal pain that I hadn't processed and um, and and I used it as a as a you know, you know, you get it. Like I used alcohol to be prettier, wittier, better, you know, get the energy to show up and do all the things and until it quit working for me and then it really backfired and I felt betrayed. Like what is alcohol doing to me? It's ruining my life. It was helping me and then now it's hurting me. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so then, I, then, it, then the panic and the, um, you know, not able to hold down food and then having to drink 20, you know, waking up with the shakes and having to drink in the morning, the get well drinks and, and, and trying to manage my life drunk all day long was really hard. And then I got to a place where I couldn't live with it and I couldn't live without it. And that was really hell because I knew I was stuck. What was I going to do? Cause I couldn't come off of it alone I knew it was a medical I knew I was gonna die if I tried to because I felt like I was gonna die if I tried to so I finally packed a couple Dasani bottles of vodka (laughs) and went to my mom she thought I had some kind of illness they didn't know I was bruised everywhere I was losing I was very skinny I looked like I was very sick and battling something so they had me come and I just got very drunk and opened up to my mom that I was an alcoholic and I needed help. And she cried and we went to Kaiser the next day and I detoxed for like two weeks. It took to be on Ativan jerking. I mean, I was, it was a gnarly detox. And then I went to treatment and then really that's where all the fun started, started. (laughs) you know, being in denial that I had this problem. I thought I just needed to, you know, get it all out of my system. And I could go back to White wine, maybe it was, sure. it was the enemy, right? So that's when it was just one treatment facility after another, one psych ward entrance, 72 hour hold after another, jail, you know, just, and then until finally it was death, until, you know, for six years of that, six mm. years I put my parents through hell, in and out of treatment, in and out of psych wards, because my BAC would get so high that they thought I was trying to drink myself to death, which I mean, there was part of me that probably was trying to end it all, but uh, but I but I wanted to live, and I remember in the end when I I you know it was like the ultimate. I had had a brain hemorrhage, had a sh- half of a shaved head, miraculously recovered from this brain surgery after this emergency, uh, this this brain hemorrhage I had from falling over a railing drunk in 2013. I miraculously recovered, and two months later went back to LA and did it all over again with half a shaved head ended up getting lice from this girl's little kids was out on the streets went to Linwood County jail with lice which is I was 80 pounds white girl with lice and that's a death sentence in Linwood Linwood County jail (laughs) so that was so traumatizing in and of itself got out and then ended up hitting my bottom I was staying with this like ex-vet street musician would go sing outside a loss for money and come back with that vodka I and mean, he was clearly not playing with he didn't understand like what i was going through but he just i just literally laid on his floor drinking myself to death i got down to like in the when i ended up going to brotman i was 78 pounds i had the urine the acid from my urine like burned holes through the bony parts of my hips because i had been laying in one spot for over a month and I got a staff infection. It started shutting down all my organs and I was dying. I mean, I went into Brotman, I was in ICU for 16 days. And, um, I remember coming to overhearing my dad say over the phone to my granddad, well, it looks like she's going to make it. And that's when just reality started to seep in. Oh my God, I did this to myself again. What did mm-hmm. I do? And, that was really my bottom, but I, I I vividly remember the doctor coming in. This was after I like sort of woke up and was cognizant. And he came in and he said, you know, because they had worked so hard. I had a specialist for every organ I had two blood transfusions. They're working their hardest to get me my body back alive, working. And he's like, Do you want to be sober? And I just remember thinking, do you think I would be in this position if I wanted to be sober? obviously I don't, obviously I don't know how to be sober. I don't want to be sober. I want to be able to manage my life and show up to everything and be drunk 24 seven. But I now realize I can't, and I have to either choose to live or choose alcohol. That was really it for me. It was like, what am I going to do? You know? And, um, and I, and I wanted to live just 1% more than I wanted to drink. (laughs) It was like fifty one (laughs) forty nine, but that's all it took. That's all I needed was 1% more of wanting to live, you know? And, wow. and the like blessing was that I was so low. I was so emaciated. I had to learn how to walk again. And I remember trying my, my occupational therapist coming in and trying to get me to stand up off the side of the bed because I was literally accidentally down 87 pounds. You couldn't even, I didn't even have a thigh muscle. No, nothing there, just a bone. And I remember trying to lift up off the side of the bed and my body was vibrating. I took every cell in my body just try to lift off up the side of the bed and tears started streaming down my face. And I just looked at her and I said, do you think I'll ever be able to run again? Because I just remember thinking, I used to run on a treadmill. Am I gonna be able to do that again? And she would kind of smiled and said, I think so. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get you walking. She didn't know what to say. And so, yeah, I just, you know, it took all of my effort to try to get physically well again, that that was the blessing. That was what sort of created this shift in my head. The switch went off like, I want to get healthy again. And that pain of going through that and working so hard to be me again and healthy again was really what kept it fresh in my mind and, 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 and allowed my brain the time to heal and, and my neurochemistry to sort of get back to homeostasis so I could start thinking straight again and wanting life. So that was really the blessing was that it took a long time to get well. And that helped me stay sober long enough to really cr- have that shift in thinking that shift in my head. Wow.
0: And that's a wrap. Thanks for coming. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no further questions. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, Jess, seriously. I've, I mean, I've known you for like a couple of years now, but I don't know if I've heard your whole story. So that is just, I'm speechless. I mean, you, God bless those doctors. I mean, seriously, like for, for him, it was a, he right. Who said, do you want to be sober? Yeah.
1: Like, and I mean, it? we're working hard for you.
0: We're working hard for you. And we just need to know if it's worth it. Like, right. are, are you, are you going to do this? Like, is this worth a shot? Can we do are it together? You,
1: exactly. Or are you just going to be back here in three days? That's right. what his question was like, do you want this? Or are you just going to be right back here? Because that's, right. that's what we want. to. <laughs> We're working really hard. And I just remember the nurses. Oh, I wish I could find them. I don't remember their names. And I, I wish I could go back with flowers and, and show them how healthy I am now. Even my brain surgery doctor and all the nurses that helped me. I remember them so vividly. And they would take the time to like, I remember this one, just putting her hands down on the side of my bed and, and saying, well, you know, why do you do this to yourself? Aww. What is it that you hate about yourself? You know, yeah. it's just, they really genuinely want to know they're yeah. really helping. We want to help you. So yeah, there was some beautiful moments in there. God is real and alive in people. Let me tell
0: mm-hmm, you.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. God. So,
0: I mean, do you feel like you had a rock bottom? That was your rock bottom, right? I mean, that was, you couldn't go further down. That was the.
1: And obviously bottom is subjective, right? Sometimes someone getting a DUI or or whatever. And it's really about the internal. Is this the bottom for you emotionally? Are you ready? Because it it does circumstantially. It does vary vastly. Obviously I obviously had a very high. Tolerance to the pain around me and the pain I was putting everyone and myself in, <laughs> so I just kept going until that was finally what like switched the flip. It was this was I like what I tell people because you know everyone is always like that million dollar question. Well, what what's different now? What's different? Right. Now? Why is this sure. now? right? That first year, nobody really believed me because I just kept doing this in and out of treatment, and it was like the only way I could put it is that the pain associated with alcohol finally eclipsed the pleasure associated with mm-hmm. that's it that was just like a thing a thing for me it's like it went beyond pleasure for me now I don't associate that with alcohol mm-hmm. I see it and I go whoa that's when I was laying there with a blood stab you know I just think death immediately
0: yeah yeah and I'm so glad you pointed that out because the whole rock bottom turn term, term I feel like exactly what you said. It could be different for everyone. Like for me, it was just, I was just tired of feeling tired. I don't, it, alcohol, it just didn't have a place in my life anymore. You know, for yours, it was different. And it just gets to that point where it's
1: like, I'm done. Like, this is my bottom. I'm done. Exactly. And my message is always, why wait till you get to the, it will progress. Why wait Mm -hmm. until it gets there? intervene now my message is look at where it goes look at where it goes that's yeah. where it goes inevitably so if you are one of those that can catch it before it gets deeper nails and you like do it now because exactly. and so yeah and sober mom squad especially they relate more to your kind of store i mean mine is like extreme and and they're like whoa i would never get to, a lot of people think i would never let it get there but i'm a testament to it will it, it will keep- <laughs> learn from me sister. Exactly. (laughs) So,
0: oh my gosh, I could just talk about your story for, for days, but, um, so you removed it. Was there any pieces, any tools, anything that really stood out that really helped you those first few weeks? I mean, you were working with a lot of doctors. There was a lot of recovery happening very fast, (laughs) but do you remember specific things that were incredibly helpful right from the get-go?
1: You know, for me, the spiritual aspect jumps out as the, if I could prioritize everything from like tool number one, that was absolutely necessary for me to change my life completely was prayer was God was asking for signs, signals, confirmation and guidance. And when I kept, when I asked for these signs, it sounds woo woo, but I'm telling you, I needed, I needed to know that I was, I was, you know, on this path for a reason and that, that something greater than me existed in me. I needed validation of that and confirmation. And I needed guidance. Obviously I didn't even know how to live without alcohol. Mm -hmm. And when I started asking for signs and signals, I mean, it was irrefutable. There were things just jumping out and I kept my eyes open and I saw so many things that were angels, God, I don't know, speaking through me through just animals signals, eleven, eleven, everything just coming at me. And I thought, Oh my God, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is a sign and I'm going to go with that. And so prayer and spirituality and looking and really feeling, you know, feeling God, like feeling the source of all things in me is what I needed to know that I could do this, that mm-hmm. I was capable and I was worthy and I was worthy of, of the light and love. And, um, and, and, and my self-worth really came through helping others. It was like, well, how do I, what do I do with this pain? Well, transmute it into purpose. That's what your message is. That's what you're, now you're here for a reason. You're going to help people. And when I just started doing that, you know, and of course it started in AA and I would be of service and sponsoring women and listening and helping and giving rides and doing those things made me feel valuable to other people, which in turn made me feel valuable to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I started to build that self-worth because love for yourself and, and wanting to be sober for yourself is really hard Mm. at first, especially when you've done such shitty things, you know, you kind of hate yourself in the beginning and that's okay. That's normal. If you Mm. have that self-loathing, that's totally normal in the beginning, just stick with it and just stay and, and, and be of service. And that will build slowly. You will start to find value in yourself and pray for it that's like really a spiritual aspect i'm trying to think of other tools that of course connection yes you know to other people and other women and um finding those those people that because i really believe that when you look deep enough into another human being you see god the source of all things comes alive that that that's where the holy spirit lives in 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 relationships so um yeah. Connection, God, prayer, the steps. I mean, AA really helped me in the beginning. AA was really everything, the meetings, the the um, speaking. Um, and then, and then of course, once I felt strong enough, I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to take a step back from AA and I'm going to start doing a Course in Miracles. And I explore yeah. the spiritual side of things in A Course in Miracles. And um, yeah, so I was just desperate and did everything I could really.
0: I laughed out loud a little bit. I don't know if you saw me on the video when you said um, woo woo, because (laughs) on my little note card, I always jot down, you know, a few notes before we start these chats. And I said, one bullet point was fellow woo woo spiritual sister, (laughs) literally like woo woo. I wish I could show you. Um, that is so cool because that is something I remember for those of you guys that don't know both Jess and I, um, were were and you still are a host with Sober Mom Squad, and that was what I loved about your meetings when I attended as a member was hearing just how that spiritual, you know, spiritual side really and and correct me if I'm wrong, but came alive in your recovery. I mean, looking for those signs, looking at the bigger picture, sure. you know, that yeah. was another gift
1: of sobriety. Am I right? It absolutely was. And, and I was not one of those people that was raised in really, it didn't come easy for me because, yeah. you know, my mom was Mormon. My dad was Presbyterian. All they did was fight about, it wasn't one of those, it's not a religious, really a religious God. Although I sound Christian uh, verbiage wise, but I'm extremely inclusive when I talk about God, it's the source of all the, you know, it's very in, um, non-denominational. It's not um, any particular dogma or, or church or religion, but but I was desperate enough to be open to it. All I saw, all I was is open to, okay, I'm just gonna, it was like an experiment. I'm just gonna get on my knees and pray every morning. Shit started happening in my life. <laughs> Everything, details. I mean, it was like, I can't, this is irrefutable. Yeah. I'm following this. This is what came alive. This is, I tapped into something all powerful and all knowing and the knowing, like uh, Glennon Doyle talks about the knowing with a capital K, when you go deep enough in, you hear that you feel yep. it and you hear it. So, yeah, I do. I people call my Sunday morning meetings church because it is, it is very, you know, I always read a prayer and it's um, and, and it just comes alive. It elevates all of our, all of us, all of yeah. our hearts and minds yeah. and spirits. So, and
0: it's just that, that, that bigger thing, that, that ability to just be aware, aware. and just be open to the gifts that are around you. I mean, I remember in my recovery I was driving down the road and you might have a bazillion of these examples too, but where you just have that moment, it's like this out of body experience where it's like the birds are chirping, the music is on, the fresh air and you're just you have to pause cuz you're like oh my god. Wow. I'm doing this and yeah. this world is a beautiful place, you know?
1: I- I'm part of this. Can yeah. you believe it? Yes. I look around all the time and I think, Mother Nature, oh my God, it's, God is alive in everything. And we are, it's so mysterious and we are all here part of it. And what a gift. And people are walking around, not even understand, like, you're alive. Did you know that? Like, you're the sperm that made it. You survived for you're strong. Like, you came into this world and can it evolve. Your soul can evolve here and we're going to go into it. It is, it's just my, sometimes I just go down the rabbit holes. I, right. It's
0: so and then my husband looks at me like, what, what is happening? <laughs> reel, reel it in, reel it in, babe. It's
1: like, babe, but we're, we're in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. Did you know that we can bring heaven to earth? And he's yeah. like, babe come back down to earth, please.
0: <laughs> and now it spills off to our children too, right? Like yeah. my son, he's like, mom, it's a full moon. We have to get our glass of water out in the moonlight because we have to have oh, our moon water in the morning. And like, Oh
1: my God. I love know. that. I was like, those kids are going to be so amazing and spiritual and connected and <laughs> nature and everything. I love when you that. I was like, that is awesome. Oh my goodness. So
0: much good stuff. Well, we are already shifting to the good. We've already made that transition, but I would love to hear. So after you removed it, big or small, kind of what were the things that started happening? I mean, did you get back into acting? Were you still acting in recovery? Did it take some time? Like what did you know, life look like?
1: I was really fearful of being, a, going back to anything that sort of, I, I recoiled like a hot flame. Like they say in AA, when I, when I thought of acting or entertainment, I, 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 I thought of drinking. So I was like, hey, I'm not going to do that for now. Sure. You know? And then I started doing com- just to get out that urge and desire to create art. And, um, and I, I always loved comedy. I was, you know, a comedian and in, in acting, I did, you know, the, um, comedy central and Jamie Foxx's comedy show. And I was always loved comedy. So I started doing comedy videos on my Instagram, just as an outlet. And I felt like it was so cathartic for me. And I was like, wow, you know, humor is such a huge piece in my recovery. And, and, you know, I really dug into that. And so then I think a year into recovery, I started getting asked to do all these interviews and podcasts. And this, I did this interview for this guy who was like a musical engineer and he had a a vulnerability, like a podcast. And my thing was on vulnerability and laughter and humor. And anyway, he asked if I wanted to do an affirmation, um, like speak about my life as if it's everything I I desire has already is already happened to me so and he did it to music it was like this really cool thing I was like yeah so I said everything I wanted um, as if it was as if my life had already uh, you know attracted these things and existed in them and um, and he gave me the the CD afterwards and everything I had talked about like speaking doing a TED talk, meeting the love of my life, having a healthy baby, all of these things within a year manifested. Hmm. It was really cool. Um, And I don't know if that was like psychosomatics, the power of the mind or like whatever. It just, I manifested reality. Those things literally happen within a year. I did a TED talk. I met the love of my life and I had a baby and, um, and I was speaking at rehabs and I was doing, you know, everything I wanted working and helping people working recovery, and um yeah so i i still don't I, I i don't have a desire to go back to entertainment at all but i do find it very um cathartic and i love doing comedy videos and that was actually what my ted talk was on the the power of humor the, it's called laughing at addiction the science of using humor to heal And it talks a lot about trauma and how we process that and our, you know, survival instincts and how how it's just so interesting to me, how we come into the world where, you know, laughter and humor is not learned. You can cultivate, you can, of course, uh, experience, influences sense of humor, but we come into the world. You like, I watched my newborn in his sleep cracking up. That is innate (laughs) survival skill. It is actually innate in us to laugh and her because it serves a very important purpose in connection yeah. in healing. It's a cathartic release to our nervous system. It's necessary. So laughter is a huge piece of, of the puzzle for me uh-huh.
0: in my recovery. but yeah, we're going to need that guy's number so that we can all <laughs> um, make our own CD. Um, <laughs> that and, um, you know, I love that you brought up the laughter piece. I love that you brought up the newborn thing, because I think a lot of us in recovery too, we go back to like childlike hobbies and living, you know, that, how do I put it? I'm going to mess up my words, but just that simple, pure life, you know, like we, we discover these hobbies that we did as kids that we didn't do in adult life, you know, and laughter and awareness. I mean, all of those things are so, so powerful. And I'm so glad you mentioned them because we can learn a lot from kids and just watching babies and remind ourselves, you know, you exactly. can get back to that, that simple, beautiful life. You know?
1: because so much of recovery is about unlearning. Mm-hmm. You know, we learn so many negative, toxic things in our culture, especially yep. our obsession with alcohol collectively. it's dis- It's really toxic. Yep. But when we have this lens of perception that is elusive in so, in so many areas, not just alcohol, but yes, getting back to our childlike state where all we needed was connection and laughter and playing and imagination and love we need things. Kids, Kids don't need things. love. They need a spatula. That's <laughs> it. Anytime I buy my kid something, he's, he's entertained for like an hour. And then I'm like, wow, I wasted 40 bucks on that. Now I get a spatula and a cardboard box and yep. he had a day. day. Yep.
0: Ain't that the truth? Oh my gosh. Like They don't even want what's inside the Amazon box. They want the box. Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's the message.
0: That's it. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, this was not a question I wrote down, but you know, I'd be curious, what is your advice to find humor in recovery? I mean, those people in the beginning where they're like, how do I, how do I laugh? How do I find joy? Like, I'm sure they can go watch your Ted talk and it'll be more than more than enough info, but what's one little piece that you would tell them?
1: I would say it's in you and it's going to come back. Don't worry. Your sense of humor and your, that gut laughter that we forgot about for 20 years because all we did was fake laugh because we were just busy drinking and faking life, faking like we, we had it all together. You forget that you can genuinely laugh, like things start to become funny and you get that belly laugh, that comes back. But but be aware, look around and, you know, it's all in you. I wish somebody told me, don't look outside for you, for the answers. You have it all in you. You have the knowing, the truth, the wisdom, all of the compassion, understanding, and the recovery and health and healing and God. It's all in you. Mm -hmm. It's the unpeeling. It's not the putting. It's not the adding to. It's not that, of course, we connect dots and we learn things from books and self-help and people and meetings because it taps into something we already know. Right, right. It's all there. I wish somebody told me that in the beginning. Don't externalize. Don't worry because it's all going to come back.
0: Same. Same. What a good reminder. You know, I mean, use the tools that are out there, but know that your most powerful tool
1: is you. And all those tools really just tap into the knowing that's in you already, you know, because we, you know how we have aha moments. That's what that is. It's a reminder of something we already knew in us. Yeah. That's an aha moment. It's not because somebody else is so brilliant. It's because you recognize, oh, I see that brilliance because I know it's in here. I know that brilliance. Right. And that's God. That's the mystery of life. That's it right there. It's the chills, the goosebumps we get is a reminder that, oh my God, I know. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. I really but I found it. it. It was in me. Yep. You know. Oh, I love that so much. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. I'm looking at my notes. I'm totally cheating. Uh, (laughs) tell me, tell me what's the most important
1: thing right now in your life. I mean, as a mom, my child, of course, it's just me, my relationship to my family and, and, and the love we share. And just, I think about it all day long, like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have this child and I'm so lucky to be a mom. And Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, and that is something I just am so grateful for, and of course, is like ultimately the most important thing is family and um, and our relationship. But I think, obviously, my recovery and relationship to God—I would have none of this without that. So that maybe has to be number one, mm-hmm. and and then of course my family, and then um, and taking care of that. You know, it's sacred. Yeah, it's sacred. You know, I just. I t- and I touch my heart a lot for reasons. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a certified heart math coach. And I feel like when you t- touch your heart center, it activates your nervous system and all the, the knowing literally. Um, but yeah, I feel like that has to, you know, that is all, it all comes together when you really nurture your, what you've built and, and it, and you realize how sacred it is. And, and then it, and then you can, you are contagious. Mm-hmm. And then it just works outward and you're just, it's a ripple effect, infinite ripple effect. Your recovery doesn't stop at you. And that's the beautiful gift. That's the thing. That's what makes you go, oh, this was all for a reason. My pain is turned into purpose now and it's ripple effect. And now I'm helping all these people and they're recovering and then they help other people and then they help other people. And, and it's just a very powerful thing. It really is. Yeah. And I mean, we and want do with this podcast. <laughs> It's, Isn't it's crazy. That cool? It's crazy.
0: <laughs> but you know, and you nailed it right there where, you know, when we feel good, we want others to feel good. We want to help people because it feels good to feel good. You know, I mean, I just was talking to a sober sister the other day and she, she said something about how someone reached out because they wanted her to be her big sis. They wanted to be mentored by her. And she goes, Oh my gosh, Jess, like I never, ever thought that I would be in a position in my recovery
1: oh. where I could help someone. And I'm like, you're doing it. That's how it works. You know, I mean, and that reflection, then she feels valuable to, because she's valuable to someone else and exactly. that's how self-worth works.
0: Exactly. Oh,
1: that's such a beautiful thing. I got the
0: goosebumps, the goosebumps <laughs> are
1: here, <laughs> <laughs> but so true, you know,
0: and I told her, I go, and don't be surprised if. This helps your recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, it like you said, it gives you purpose. It keeps you accountable. Cause Lord, I mean, you you can't be drinking if you are a big sis to someone. I mean exactly. you you need to be her role model. You need to be there for her as well. So exactly. it's so amazing when you just see that circle and you're like, Oh, look at how far you've come and now you get to inspire someone else. So
1: Exactly. It's crazy. And I think it's important to recover out loud, you know, be that voice for people, let them find you. Because there's so many moms, especially just fighting through the day, battling alcoholism, and, and they are stuck in a cycle of well, the only way I can ha- take care of my children is and deal with all this stress is with drinking, and they don't know where to turn. And, and they, if you do it out loud, I can't tell you how many messages that have just made my life, my world. Mm-hmm. When I get messages of your account is how I got sober, is oh because my gosh, Right. talked about recovery and how you, you got there, and it just was a light to me and it showed me a path to like, okay, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it, and where to go and resources. So yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing when, especially when you feel, and I felt obligated because it was like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, doing things on social media and I can't hide that very big piece about myself. That's a very <laughs> big part of me <laughs> Totally and i not really hide that from people. So when I started opening up about it, when I started seeing that it was actually helping people, it was like, oh, this can be a tool and a, mm-hmm. a use for good and a message. So yeah, recovering out loud is a big deal for me.
0: Me too. And I think too, even if that is not you, like if there's someone who's like, oh gosh, I could never, I could never post something on social media. I think just by being a friend and listening and, you know, uh-huh. say you have a friend that's really struggling, who will be there for her, listen to her, maybe plan something that doesn't revolve around alcohol and really focus on how much fun you're having without it, you know, exactly. and just be that healthy example
1: that's all you have to be exactly.
0: Yeah. So, all right, my dear, well, we are kind of getting to the end. I have just a couple more things for you. So I would love to find out what is next for you. I I might've spied on your website. Is there a book that you just finished? Is that a thing? I, you know, it's funny. Okay. So I finished my memoir in 2017 That was what I was curious. I was like, I don't know if this is outdated.
1: But- yeah. Oh, so, but I, then my world completely changed upside down. The ending to my book changed <laughs> and I had such a be- all these things that I wanted to include, but then I had a child and I looked back on my book and I thought, okay, as a mom, do I want all of this in the world? Do I right. want my child to have access to this, these details, and so it really, you know, you put on a different pair of glasses when you're a mom. You see the sure. world. you get that. Absolutely. So, so I kind of was like, okay, maybe I'm gonna do more. I'm gonna, I started just editing it and thinking I'm just gonna do the life lessons from each chapter is gonna be more about the life lesson from it versus the details of the event, and so it's it, it's still something that I'm working on and and I haven't been to be honest I just haven't been ready to release it I'm like I'm sitting here waiting for God to tell me when it's time because so many things have changed and I view things differently and so I'm just sort of waiting for the the that voice to say okay it's time I also my editor was like let's do a um, screenplay so I'm I'm kind of like in the in the The trench is still with it where I'm open to all possibilities and which thing comes first. I don't know yet, but it's still, I'm still sort of waiting and praying about it and listening to that, that thing that tells you, you know, when you're ready. And it just hasn't told me I'm ready yet.
0: That's such a good reminder. Was that not on the CD? Was that not part of the affirmation? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know, right? Um, (laughs) Wait, was I supposed to release this in a certain time? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. But, and that's the thing, things change, you know, and that is what's so beautiful is now you have that clear mindset where there's no rush. I don't have to release a book. I don't have to do anything. I could just be a mom and live life. And
1: exactly. that's,
0: That's that's plenty. That's enough.
1: Exactly. That what you, you, just hit it on the head. I say that to myself. Cause I'm always on myself about like, okay, what's the next, what's the next big thing, right? What's the next big accomplishment. And sometimes I, I just sit there and go, you know what? It's okay to just be focusing on ma- motherhood mm-hmm. and, and I'm trying to get pregnant. I have been for a while. So that's really been on my radar. And right. so it hasn't been like, what can I do now? It's been sort of, let me just feel out like motherhood and focusing on building my family. And the next big thing will come when it's ready, you know, absolutely I'm ready to. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's been a, a journey and, and sort of a process for me of like letting go of just having to be like on the next big thing. It's like, I can just wait until yeah. I'm ready.
0: That's something I struggle with all the time. And I like, when I get that answer, especially from my guests, when it's like, I don't know, I don't know what's next.
1: And I don't have to know. I and don't. The- Social media makes you think because I, I don't know if- about you, but for me, like I obviously I follow you know, influencers, of people that are doing great big things. And it's so in your face that you think, well, well, I have to have this big next thing. I have to also be under pressure to like show that, like, I'm doing this and I'm also getting this, you know, you know, ready to show the world. And it's just like, it's, it's a lot of illusion of pressure of things that we don't, that's really not necessary. And that's just social media, you know, that's where people go to show what their next big thing is. right? And we're all on the journey in a different place. And we don't have to be having a big thing at the same time. It can right. be later, it can be before, it can be never, it can be just family. It can be, it's all different, but it's all an accomplishment. And we're mm-hmm. all, you know, accomplishing every day in motherhood is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> Amen. Know, every day being well, sober is a huge accomplishment. If you can keep up with social media, that's an accomplishment. I can barely keep up. I don't know how people do it. They pump out these moms with multiple kids. What are you on? How do you do it where you can be having dinner and looking good post? content where are you getting the energy what are you effing doing give me some I mean they
0: have to have assistance right I mean they have to something is happening that's what I going I'm like on.
1: does your is there a does grandma live with you and taking care of the get like what is that do you have an au pair secretly right. like what is going on where you have all the time in the world to do these this I like- just
0: imagine like all these little fairies, like from Cinderella, like,
1: Oh yes, we
0: will post the reel, we will make the dinner. Let's exactly. go water the garden. Like how the hell do you do it all? Like well- exactly. I There's always no think way. that there has to be help. Like where's the help? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cause I certainly can't keep
0: up. Oh my goodness. Well, and really interesting to me that in every conversation I've had on this podcast, social media always comes up mm-hmm. and It's good and it's bad. You know, I mean, I think every person on here can agree that the, the recovery community on Instagram and in social media is incredible. It Mm -hmm. is wonderful. And a lot of us, that is a tool, you know, but it is also interesting how there's always that other side where, you know, the the pressure the the highlight reel the illusion that things should be a certain way i should do something a certain way you know and and how it gets overwhelming especially for moms you know cuz it's one more thing
1: yes and i follow these moms that have multiple kids and are pumping out like a real every day like a fabulous i'm like how how cuz as a mom with one i just don't have the energy to 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 do that or care enough to like, I don't know, maybe it becomes their job. And then they, they, you know, I don't know, but I'm just like, it's pressure. Yeah. It's just pressure and it's unnecessary, especially as a mom. It's like prioritize, you know?
0: Yeah. I know it. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much. First of all, if I haven't said that a bazillion times, I just love chatting with you. Um, love it. I would like to end our chat a couple of things. One thing to the one or many people that are listening right now and feeling inspired to make a change. What advice would you give them?
1: I would say you have it in you already. It's there and all of it, everything will come like, Don't worry. Just one day at a time, do this, do the next right thing. And it will all come to you. It will all come together. Life will get very big, very fast. If you just one foot in front of the other, the next right thing, all of the answers are in you though. Recovery, health, wisdom. It's all there. You have it in you. I love that. It's there it's there and don't you know don't look outward i mean you obviously we we need resources but just know that it's in you and and for me prayer was a huge thing that created a shift in perception from, you know, body identification to spirit identification. That's really what I needed. And I, so I always, you know, suggest that to people, if you're open, start praying because sign signals, they start coming and they will keep you on the right path. They will give you that that energy and that oomph to just do the next right thing. That's that's just that what you need, you know? It's like, I'm in the right place. I'm just gonna do the next right thing. Just think about now, not the future. Mm. So, so good.
0: Well, If people want to get a hold of you, is it okay to have like your Instagram handle in the show notes? How can they follow you and laugh with
1: you and all that good stuff? Jessica Landon 12 is my Instagram on my, I'm on Facebook, Jessica Landon. My website is JessLandon.com. Um, I blog, I write about recovery. Um, yeah, it's all there. Follow me. Um, and I'll, and connect DM me anything. I'm here for her daily reel, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm trying, I'm trying
0: people. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for the inspiration. And I just appreciate you taking the time. I
1: loved it. I really enjoyed chatting with you. So thank you so much for having me on. You're I welcome. love that. Adore
0: you. Love you more. Have a great day.
1: You too. Bye.
0: Bye. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.